0: All right, we are back. Uh, Our our good friend uh, Donald Rose, who sounds remarkably like Senator Al Franken, pointed out last week that the deaths of celebrities appear to come in threes. At that moment in time, he was referring to the deaths of Ed McMahon, Farrah Fawcett, and the shocking passing of Michael Jackson. Of course, uh, two days later, we had our second trio, Gail Storm, Fred Travellina, and Billy Mays. Of course, now, yesterday, we've added Carl Malden, so I don't know where we are on the entertainment figures. And given that we only have about 10 minutes left in the program, I think we'll just have to pick two. The first, of course, would have to be Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was a figure of such enormous popularity that, to my my surprise, they were actually discussing his passing on Democracy Now! Personally, I can think of very few figures around the world that were just better known everywhere. Um, uh, Example. 1998, I took the train from Cairo up to Luxor in Egypt. Luxor is the town uh, which is adjacent, well, I mean, the, the, the Temple of Luxor is in the city, the Temple of Karnak is also in, in, in the town, and the Valley of the Kings is right across the Nile River. I elected to stay in a very modest hotel, a local Egyptian hotel, in the range of like $18 a night, something like that. I noticed when I checked in after the, the owner went out and basically snagged me getting off the train to take me to his hotel that he had an enormous picture of Michael Jackson on the first floor. And I realized that this guy thinks he's Michael Jackson. He did bear a passing resemblance to the King of Pop, but it was clear he was emulating his style lots of ways. I mean he was clearly cutting his hair in a Michael Jackson fashion. He wasn't at least he wasn't wearing a uh a face mask. But it struck me, even here in Luxor, in Egypt, you got people that are trying to be Michael Jackson. He apparently sold 750 million albums, which means that more than one in every 10 human beings bought a Michael Jackson album. His 1983 thriller was the best-selling album of all time. Michael Jackson made so much money that he went out and bought The Beatles Catalog for, what, a quarter of a billion dollars? He's been all over the news, and we certainly can't, uh, in the limited time we have here, you know, say that much about him, except I think I would summarize his life as follows. Michael Jackson was that kind of human tragedy that results when somebody gains so much popularity, so much money, and so much power in their own way that nobody can tell them no. No. Howard Hughes once said that uh, they call me eccentric. If you had enough, he goes, that's because I have enough money to do whatever I want. If you had enough money to do whatever you wanted, they'd call you eccentric too. I've always wondered about that quote, but Michael Jackson would appear to be the kind of person that would uh, verify Howard Hughes's claim. I have no doubt he was a serial child molester, and uh <laughs> No one has any doubt that he engaged in some very screwball efforts to change his personal appearance. There's even a website out there that's scary to check out. He came from a very disordered family and um, always said that he'd been robbed of a childhood, and I have no doubt there's much truth in that. He was an enormously talented artist. I don't think anybody can possibly deny him that. But as a human being, the poor guy had a lot of problems. Personally, I wonder if, how many of those could have been avoided if someone would have been able to just tell him no. And uh, I don't know. I'm I'm just horrified to see the media circus that has sprung up. I think this is going to make Elvis Presley's passing look, look stately and dignified. I mean, for starters, they're apparently, I guess, they're going to hold his funeral in the Staples Center in Los Angeles. They're still talking about what is responsible for an otherwise seemingly healthy 50-year-old suddenly dying, and I'm I'm certain that uh, that drugs have something to do with this, because apparently as he did not have a plastic surgeon that could tell Michael no, he apparently didn't have some private physicians who would also tell him no when he wanted something to sleep or something for his pain, etc., etc., etc. Anyway, I don't suppose it's Radio Parallax's job to thoroughly cover Michael Jackson. I mean, everyone else in the media is doing their damnedest to just, you know, <laughs> to, to provide a tsunami of Quasi-information and factoids about, uh, about his life I'm trying not to feel sorry for the guy And I guess in the end All of us can take comfort for the fact uh, from the fact That you know his body of work Which at times is, is truly great Will remain with us Alright, the other guy we want to talk about Was uh, Ed McMahon Ed McMahon always said That he was lucky And that he attached himself to the rising star Of Johnny Carson And uh, just rode the comet uh, with him McMahon always uh, claimed that he relished the role that he found in life, saying that I never thought being a second banana was a secondary thing. He was the son of a traveling salesman from Detroit, and a young Ed uh, moved around so often as a child, he said, I was in more towns than a pickpocket. He noted that along the way, he fell in love with radio. And at age 15, he started looking for... for an announcing experience, he turned up at road shows and carnivals, hawking attractions and barking bingo numbers and learning to elongate syllables to heighten suspense. He eventually landed himself a job on Philadelphia TV shows. There in 1958, he met a rising young comedian named Johnny Carson and became his announcer on the ABC quiz show, Who Do You Trust? Supposedly, on the first day of the show, Johnny Carson set fire to McMahon's script as he was trying to read it. I was trying to read as the script turned to charcoal before my eyes. McMahon recalled. From that moment on, I became his foil. I think that was a tough road to hoe for Ed in later years. Johnny Carson, by all accounts, was not the nicest guy you'd want to meet. The two men were described as friends until Johnny Carson's death in 2005. But uh, although McMahon said they were as close as any two non-married people can be, the truth is they rarely spoke in later years. McMahon famously shrugged it off, saying, uh, Johnny doesn't give friendship easily or need it. He packs a tight suitcase. But anyway, if you're any kind of fan of The Tonight Show with, with Johnny Carson, and, and I certainly was, and I know a lot of you listening certainly were, he's a guy that you just have to miss. Even though I have to admit I was pretty horrified when later in life he was involved with the American uh, family publisher's sweepstakes, which which. He would always open up with, you may already have won $10 million and then show up at somebody's house, house with an oversized check. That was all a colossal scam, which I think finally had Congress step in to stop. And sadly, too, about Ed, although he was making $5 million a year as, as the second banana in the Tonight Show, he ran into financial trouble late in life. And if I'm recalling this correctly, I believe Donald Trump actually stepped in to help Ed from, to prevent Ed from losing his house. And I guess we can close the show noting what, uh, you know, some advice from Ed McMahon, talking to Larry King, said, you know, if you spend more money than you make, well, you know what happens. Well, uh, yeah, I do, Ed, and I think they they know in Iceland now as well. We got a couple minutes left? Yep. All right, we got about a couple minutes. Let's uh, let's do a completely different uh, item here. Still in the obituary section, talking about the obituary of smallpox. Smallpox is the only disease that medical science has eliminated from the face of the earth, and there's a book about it titled Smallpox, the Death of a Disease by D.A. Henderson, and it was a provocative review in New Scientist magazine I wanted to quote from. The book is about D.A. Henderson, the, uh, the physician who spearheaded the efforts to eliminate smallpox. The author said that when he first met him at a World Health Organization uh, conference, he asked him, How did you do it? To which D.A. Henderson chuckled, lowered his breath, and said, by breaking every rule in the World Health Organization book. I should clarify, that comment was by the reviewer. The, the book was written by D.A. Henderson. It's his own personal account of the campaign. Reviewer McKenzie said, uh, his tale of how smallpox was killed is a detailed object lesson in how to do the impossible on a shoestring budget with a bureaucracy that doesn't want to know. Adding, it would be useful reading for anyone dealing with similar organizations today. Apparently, he was put in charge of global smallpox eradication in 1966 because the WHO's boss was convinced it would fail. Since the U.S. had championed the program, he wanted an American in charge to take the rap. Said McKenzie, he spins a gripping yarn about the obstacles they faced, ranging from inane health ministers to full-blown wars and nighttime helicopter landings amid hostile armed villagers. There are also the stories of the people, mostly young, who made eradication work and for whom Henderson made metals out of the bifurcated needles used for the smallpox vaccination. The key was to apply basic epidemiology. They watched for outbreaks of smallpox, then used targeted vaccinations to contain them rather than vaccinating blindly. Whereas previously success had been measured by the numbers vaccinated, uh, Henderson measured success by the absence of smallpox. We may have to get this book and get the author on the show. Uh, They quoted at one point a World Health Organization official who vowed to eat a tire if smallpox was eliminated in India. Noted the author, he failed to comply when the tire was eventually delivered. Anyway, we're out of time. Our thanks to Benjamin Jonas of The Voice of America and, of course, Senator Al Franken. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. We'll see you next week at the same time.